0: Hello welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 Podcast, your weekly insight into the world of Formula 1. So after an entire weekend of having no idea what to do without Formula 1, it is already back and uh, what a cracking race we've got in store for us. Uh, Welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 Podcast, I'm your host Will Dodds and today I'm joined once again by Ben Stevens, the editor of the Grand Prix 24-7 website. Ben, uh, how did you
1: use your, your weekend off uh, away from Formula One? Uh, I slept a bit more than I probably did uh, the few weeks before, so that was quite nice. Uh, but it was pretty pretty quiet, it's still, still a fair bit of news to go around as well, so that was good, and uh, I also knocked out that uh, head-to-head uh, article on the website, which I hope uh, all of you listening enjoyed. If you haven't seen it yet, go check that out with all the, uh, the head-to-head stats for the drivers. Uh, that, so that, yeah, I was uh, very happy with that. And uh, yeah, it was about my uh, weekend off.
0: Yeah, I do have serious concerns about uh, Ben's sleeping habits as a Formula One <laughs> fan in Australia. Uh, but aside from that, I think we've got a really intriguing race. Um, in store for us. Uh, Silverstone's always a, a track that throws up drama and, you know, just have to look back to last year and, you know, it was a, a great event with a lot of racing kind of all the way down the field from, you know, Hamilton and Bottas at the front to, you know, some epic dueling between Verstappen and Leclerc uh, slightly further back. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I guess one of the, the key storylines going into the season, uh, from my perspective at least, is perhaps... Uh, racing point um we saw they had huge pace um at the hungary ring last uh, last week and you know they're subject to this uh this protest from renault which at the time of recording we have yet to see a resolution to so you know fingers crossed that by the time this is out that's still the case but uh ben what are you what are you expecting uh from racing point this weekend
1: yeah, we could look like uh, right fools if we uh, come down on the wrong side with that one. But me personally, uh, I'm not expecting anything from it. I think they'll say, as we've seen, the, uh, the case put forward by Ross Braun and uh, you know various other people, that basically, I mean, everyone copies, and unless the part is literally the same, even if it looks the same. And if you've got the drawings to prove that you've sort of come up with it on your own, you can't, you can't sort of ignore the fact that they've been exposed to all these Mercedes parts in the past and they get us obviously sort of use that as inspiration or very close inspiration as the case may be. So yeah, I'm not expecting any sort of negative outcome there. And then I think the track itself, I think will, will suit their car. I know that uh, Helmut Marco said the other day that he was uh, quite worried about them. So there's a very good chance they'll be competing for best of the rest, I think. And uh, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I think it, it'll be really fascinating. Um, obviously, I don't think anyone really wants to see this Mercedes and Mercedes kind of junior team dominance. But I think if, if Racing Point can really kind of battle with Red Bull better perhaps than they did in the race last week, you know, you know, despite the fact that they qualified ahead of Verstappen in the Hungary ring, I don't think that there was ever really the impression that you thought either of them could really battle him. So I'd be fascinated to see how how that would play out. And you know that's going to have a huge impact on Alex Albon as well, who has been struggling and I think really needs to pull out a top quality performance um, at Silverstone. Um, Ferrari is another uh, team who made you know progress, but in the kind of History of Ferrari, it's still kind of very much underwhelming their performance at the Hungara Ring. And uh, we've heard some news about them having a little bit of a reorganisation internally, uh, including Rory Byrne, who looks to be kind of back uh, on a full time basis now. So, uh, what do you make of Ferrari's moves this week and the the kind of last fortnight? And do you think that it's not going to kind of be something that bears fruit until maybe in a couple of, even
1: a couple of seasons' time? Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing is what you said at the end there, I think, is that they've gone from being these past few years uh, believing that they can, you know, push Mercedes for the championship to all of a sudden, oh, now it's all about 2022 and and onwards. And I think that's, that. that well, at least to me, that's fascinating. I think it really shows that they've gone down the wrong path with their 2020 car, um, and as much as they will develop it where they can, they sort of see the writing on the wall. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure in that respect how much that you know uh, restructuring your technical department can help that. And it'll be interesting to see what Rory Byrne can do, as you said. Um, but I'm not expecting any miracles anytime soon. And the simple fact is is that if the engine continues to let them down, they can do all they all you want with the chassis, but if the engine continues to let them down, that's the one thing that they really can't develop anytime soon, then they're going to, you know, continue to be well off the pace of Mercedes. Yeah, and
0: the engine is something that's clearly not just affecting them, but also um, Haas and Alfa Romeo, who I think, you know, they'll be really concerned, I think, about their prospects, because if Ferrari can't make progress with the engine, and as you said, with the the kind of uh, tokens uh, ruling that we have now and just the kind of limited development that's going to be um, in the next kind of 18 months, it, it's going to be difficult to see how they're going to make huge progress. You know, maybe what they need is kind of a, a an overhaul and that's not something that is on the table at the moment. But um, looking a little bit more specifically at Silverstone, I think the one team who potentially have definitely made some progress and maybe will be looking to make more progress is Williams. Um, First three races, I think that we've seen that their qualifying performance is definitely better than it was last season. Uh, whether that's because of the aforementioned uh, uh, power unit issues faced by Haas and Alfa Romeo. George Russell's had a couple of 12th place starts. Uh, Latifi got out of uh, Q1 for the first time uh, at the Hungary. So I think it's clear that they've made some progress. For me, the question now is whether they can use this upgrade to have better race pace basically, because regardless of their qualifying speed, they are still clearly the slowest car in race trim. So do you think that this uh, upgrade package will potentially see them maybe leapfrog a couple of teams or do you, how do you see this playing out?
1: Yeah, well, I think it was pretty damning uh, back in Hungary, wasn't it? That the fact that, you know, George Russell qualified 12th and then just spent the entire race going backwards. And as you say, like the race pace, it's just not there. Um, How much you can improve that in a week and a half's time, (laughs) I'm not sure. I don't think it's probably much. But at the same time, you know, you've got uh, Haas, and particularly Alfa Romeo, who are struggling a lot as well. So maybe if you find a tenth, maybe two tenths per lap, if that's possible, that's enough to put you ahead of them, both in qualifying and the race. So, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not completely ruling them out of sort of Kicking themselves off the bottom, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was if it was still too soon for that to happen.
0: Yeah, and I think after the fabled uh, Paul regard uh, uh, Paul Ricard upgrade package that Renault brought last season, that saw them actually probably go backwards. I think that you know, as fans, we've we've learned that you can't read too much into these these packages um, all the time. Uh, I think one interesting point for me with Williams is that they have in Russell a very good driver. And it's not that I think that they're going to be kind of like a, a midfield team in terms of race pace anytime soon. But I think all they need is just a car that can just, you know, almost match some of those teams towards the back. And I think that Russell can can make the difference uh, with his driving quality over someone like Giovinazzi or an AG Kimi, aging Kimi Räikkönen or, or a kind of mistake-prone Roman Grosjean. So I think what they need to do is just give him a car that is not kind of Uh, almost part of a different formula if they can just kind of get him on the back uh just off those teams then I I think that he can do some some good work but um with an eye to the front of the grid I think that we'll probably all agree that the battle for the race is probably between the two Mercedes drivers um obviously this is a track that Lewis Hamilton is uh pretty decent at just like the Hungara ring um and he won here last year and I think prior to last year, taken pole four four years in a row as well. So, Ben, are you expecting to see a Lewis Hamilton victory here? Or do you think that, you know, Bottas can kind of build on getting the pole here last year and a decent start to the 2020 season and uh, give him a real challenge?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you wouldn't bet against Lewis, that's for sure, Uh, just based on form and, as you say, the history at Silverstone. The, Maybe the the absence of the best fans makes a big difference. I don't know. Maybe that, you know, he's not as motivated if we're, you know, clutching at straws here. But realistically, until something dramatic happens, you know, he decides that the R&B career is going to take off after the reveal uh, yesterday, maybe, and, you know, shifts his focus elsewhere. Until that happens, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to keep on picking him to uh, to win races. So I don't, I don't see how... Uh, I don't I see how I could pick anyone else. As much as Valtteri, uh, you know, has the goods, and as you said, was on poll last year, he's definitely quick enough to, take, to do that again here. But on Sundays, if it's just them two, I think uh, Lewis always has that little bit extra.
0: Yeah, so just in case anyone did not understand the context of Ben's comment there, uh, Lewis did actually reveal <laughs> yesterday, uh, it's, a, it's something that's kind of been, I guess, common knowledge without ever being confirmed that he was uh, featured on a Cristina Aculera track. And he, he actually has now confirmed that it was him. So uh, the song's called uh, Pipe. Uh, and I would advise anyone who hasn't heard it to give it a listen. Uh, but back onto, back onto the track. Um, yeah, I think I think a factor that I've heard a couple of people say, which I do disagree with, is that Bottas would have won last year's race without the safety car. Um, but frankly, I don't think that's true. Firstly, if we watch the way that Hamilton hounded him from the line all the way until the first pit stop, I think that shows that he had more race pace than Bottas. And Bottas did a good job defending him, but I think that if, they, if it had come down to, you know, Hamilton stalking Bottas with, you know, 10 laps to go and a bit of a tyre advantage, I can't see Bottas holding him off once again. And secondly, when Bottas actually did pit, he actually went onto the same tyres as he started on, so he would have had to pit again regardless, whereas Hamilton made that one-stop strategy work. So for me... I think that Hamilton's race pace was so superior that whatever strategy makeup Bottas did, Hamilton was winning that race regardless of the safety car. Um, but I think the th- the thing is, we know with Bottas is that he's a very good qualifier, and you know maybe he can sneak pole. Last year was a very tight margin, but then obviously the four years prior to that, Hamilton took pole over either him or Rosberg over soon. So yeah, you know, we know Bottas maybe able to sneak pole. Uh, he's definitely got that in him, but for me over you know, 70 odd laps around Silverstone. I just, I don't see how he beats Hamilton. Uh, you know, with all the tools and it, at his disposal, whether that be strategy, uh, you know, whether that's a tyre strategy, whether that's kind of uh, running longer and and going for the kind of overcut, or whether he wants to go for a one stop or Bottas or for two. I just think it's going to be a real uphill battle for the Finn. Um, I think the other person we probably should mention in this battle is Max Verstappen. Um, whether or not the Red Bull has made enough progress is another question, though. Um, I think it's something we've discussed before, Ben, is that, you know, a lot of people are saying that you know, Honda have dropped the ball here, but I think that there's definitely an area question about Red Bull too, and it's something that Christian Horner has admitted. Um, do you think that this is just too quick a turnaround for Red Bull to to right those wrongs?
1: Yeah, well, those quotes uh, last weekend from Christian Horner were quite illuminating, talking about the... Uh... The car basically misbehaving aerodynamically and yeah as you say it's it, because it's such a quick turnaround unless it's some sort of balance issue which isn't something they they haven't ruled that out and uh the story yesterday about honda sort of having this emergency meeting now sort of positing the you know the idea that it, it could be you know balance in the car that's i think more correctable than just sort of having you know an aerodynamic philosophy that doesn't work so i mean there's definitely there's some hope there is it enough to put max in the mix in the normal under normal circumstances i don't think so
0: yeah i i would probably have to agree uh, as much as i'd love to see hamilton and, Bo- and verstappen battle around silverstone i think that'd be really great watching considering what we've seen from both those drivers in this circuit I, I think that maybe it's a a couple of weeks too soon, and uh, unfortunately, if Mercedes do take another win here, then you know I think Helmut Marko said that the championship wasn't over if Red Bull didn't win Hungary, but I think even he would admit that if they don't win Silverstone, then it definitely is over. Um, so, so looking to another couple of teams that we're previewing, uh, the two Renault-powered cars, the Renault uh, works team and McLaren. Um, McLaren have made a really positive start to the season in Austria, but they did look a little bit off the pace in Hungary. Um, What do you expect to see from from them this year, Uh, this week, sorry. And uh, also, do you have any thoughts on the new uh, golf sponsorship that they're going to be having? Because I know that's a a brand that a lot of uh, motorsport fans
1: love. Yeah, well, it's definitely nice to have uh, golf back in F1. And I'm looking forward to seeing hopefully some sort of uh, use of that in their livery next year. So, you know, fingers crossed for that. In terms of their car itself, uh I'm expecting them to bounce back I think this circuit will be more favorable they really seem to just struggle in the you know the cornering requirements the' quite you know like a lot of slow corners and stuff like that in uh, in Hungary that just did not seem to suit their car for whatever reason and while obviously Silverstone is not Austria it's not a complete power track it is much more of a power track and it's much more fast corners and stuff like that that I think will, uh, lend itself to McLaren's car. So I am expecting them to... Yeah, I mean, I, I would almost go and say between them, uh, Racing Point, as well as Red Bull, I think that would be an interesting mix. And it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, uh, one or both McLaren drivers get amongst that mix of teams.
0: Yeah, I think that they've got a decent shot this weekend. Um, I think that Norris is looking really confident and he, I think he gives off a sense more that he, he actually belongs in, in Formula One at the, at the front end now. And I think last year he yeah, he spoke critically of his own attitude at times, potentially not taking it seriously enough. But he looks to really have not turned a corner, but just to, he now understands a little bit better what it means to be a Formula One driver and how he needs to best go about producing the best performance. And I'm expecting to see him really deliver this weekend. Um on to Renault. I think that it's 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 been a really weird start to the season, to be honest. Um, obviously, the the looming shadow of Fernando Alonso uh, can't be easy for anyone to to deal with. But it's been difficult start for for Ocon in particular. Ricardo has, I think, driven really well. Just doesn't seem to quite have the car underneath him, and uh, he's obviously off. So it, it's difficult to really kind of judge what his motivation is, but. Uh, the Renault looks quick at times, it looks slow at other times, maybe it's a fact that they just can't quite piece everything together when it comes to that Q3 run, and the fact that they're you know starting outside the top 10, and just falling back a little bit uh, on the starts, I just think it all adds up to just making it, it difficult for us to really judge the true potential of that car, so it, it's one that I'm really struggling to put, because sometimes I think, oh you know, they're they're, they're actually up there with the Racing Point and the, the McLaren, but sometimes they're... They're almost kind of more towards the Alphatori side of things. So, where do you judge them, and what do you expect to see from them this weekend?
1: Yeah, well, judging them has been very strange because you would think that they would be, you know, the, 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 at least if if you believe what Cyril Abitable was uh, was peddling, you'd believe that, that they'd be, you know, building on their their this, you know, on, on their showings last year where they were sort of. Well, obviously, when they were behind McLaren, but they were sort of that clear number two team in the in the uh, midfield, or, You know, although there were weeks where that wasn't the case. Um, instead, it's sort of been all over the place. And here again, I think it will be very hard to sort of tell. There's a, there's a very good chance that they start outside the top 10 again, I think. I mean, if you've got four teams, Mercedes, Racing Point, McLaren, Red Bull, that you can reasonably put ahead of them then they're battling for the last two spots there and then there's you know there's other teams obviously that can sneak in there as well so there's a realistic chance of staying outside the top 10 and then it's just a question of what happens on race day and you know crazy stuff happens on waste race day but if, if if every if absolutely everything in the race went to plan um, I wouldn't expect them to finish higher than you know 10th maybe snag a single point I just don't think that car has it doesn't seem to have any sort of Maybe, maybe it's not, not weak anywhere, but it's not particularly strong anywhere either, and that's uh, you know that's that's means you're always going to be sort of middle of the pack regardless of where you go.
0: Personally, I think that your lack of national pride is shameful, Ben, especially especially <laughs> given Ricardo's excellent record at Silverstone. You know, he loves he loves this track, um, and if.
1: Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, Daniel. Of, if anyone um, looks back Andy to his Dirty junior um,
0: career racing Bottas around here, it's, it's fantastic. So I think you should go and give that a watch just to remind yourself <laughs> of, 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 of yeah, who you're really it. a fan of. Um, anyway, <laughs> mo- moving on. Um, I think that the other kind of non-team driver-related thing that's interesting about this is obviously this is our second doubleheader of the season. Uh, this is the, the, obviously the first race of that and there are going to be some tyre differences. So, Ben, what what, what are your thoughts? I think that Austria, to be honest, was a successful doubleheader. It's a track that kind of brings up enough randomness in terms of of reliability, the altitude, the fact that it's got these huge curbs that the cars um, struggle to run over. So that that did probably work out, and the fact that the first race was just so mad meant that we were never going to get a repeat of that. Um, Do you think that this the fact that we're going to have different tyres, uh, different tyre um, compounds slightly at each race, will be enough to to ensure that Silverstone is similarly successful as a doubleheader?
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's enough to uh, guarantee it by any means, but it's something I'm definitely excited for. and am very curious to see how that plays out because as we see from time to time, uh, one car can be strong on one tyre and not strong on another. And, you know, that means that one, one maybe one week Renault is up there, and the next week they're not, or Red Bull's close to Mercedes, and the next week Mercedes runs away with it. Like we don't know, and that sort of uncertainty that having these different allocations in the two races at Silverstone, uh, you know, that's that's really exciting. Yeah, I think to sometimes see.
0: we almost forget how fine the balance between performance and lack of performance is in Formula One. You know, these these cars are incredibly like highly tuned and highly sensitive to changing circumstances so you see something like McLaren and their team that looks much stronger on lower fuel than it does on on higher fuel and that's you know potentially on high fuel they're slower than Renault as we saw in in the second Austrian race but then much quicker than them when it gets down to lower fuel so that these these circumstances these 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 changing variables can make a huge difference but as you say with the tyres, you know, these are tyres that all the teams get to use throughout the season at different circuits, so they have obviously been built with, the the cars have been built with these in mind. Um, the impact it makes, I think, really does remain to be seen, and obviously it will also depend on weather, because as we saw in Hungary, for example, you know, because of the, the strange track conditions, they were just absolutely chewing through those soft tyres and could get kind of like four laps out of them before they had to to pretty much take them off, so... Yeah, it really depends on a number of things but uh, I hope that that will bring a little bit of of variability but also I think Silverstone is just one of those circuits where overtaking really is possible and just the cars look so great going through it that I think even if we get two similar races I think they'll both be entertaining uh, in their own right so it's not something I'm overly concerned about. Um, Before we do move on to our predictions and kind of wrap up I did want to grab you for a quick word about the new tracks that have been announced on the calendar. Um, personally, I absolutely love what they've done with the calendar this season. I think that they've made a really made the best of a bad situation. They've basically just thrown it open to to now uh, Imola, uh, the Nurburgring GP circuit, and uh, Portimao, the Algarve circuit. So I don't know what your experience of those three circuits are. Um, Obviously, we've seen Nürburgring GP on the Formula One calendar in recent years, but it's quite a way back until uh, Imola and then uh, Portemouse never actually hosted a a Grand Prix, a World Championship Grand Prix, just like Magello. So, what do you make of that announcement, and uh, what do you generally make of the way that F1 have gone about constructing this calendar?
1: Yeah, well, I'm definitely not the first person to say this, but. It's just funny that because of COVID, they've been basically forced to pick real racing tracks. And I mean, I say that I don't, I don't want to necessarily knock, you know, every every race that's in some new country. Like well, we don't, we don't know what Vietnam would be like. I'd say, you know, there's there's races in countries that don't have an F1 or a motorsport history that have been fantastic. But tracks like Imola in particular, Nurburgring to a lesser extent, but still, you know there's a lot of name recognition there, uh, have have long held a soft spot, or had, uh, F1 fans have had a soft spot for, so it's fantastic to see them back. And uh, it's interesting to see how they go. Mugello in particular, I think is, at least I'm highly amused because, I, a, you go back a few weeks ago and everyone was talking about Ferrari have their uh, little... Uh, Pre-season or post-pre-season, but also pre-season test at Mugello, and people were saying, you know, does this give them an advantage for the uh, F1 season itself? And it's quite clear now that whatever advantage they get isn't going to matter. That's, that car's just not going to be fast enough to, uh, you know, capitalize on it significantly. But yeah, uh, it's it's exciting to see all these real racing tracks on the calendar. Uh, hats off to F1 for doing that. Uh, I've heard that Turkey could be next as, as you probably have too, but that sort of seems like it's more hopeful than realistic, but it is a of all of this is a sign, you know, that there's an, there's a, there's an appetite that everyone's on board. If you get, if you get these real racing tracks, uh, you know, everyone's on board, it's exciting. And this is, you know, this is what F1 should be about. It should be about the best cars racing on the best tracks.
0: Yeah I think I think to your point uh I think we could have every single race at Fiorino and Ferrari still probably would. <laughs> exactly. World. So um but yeah, in terms of in terms of your point uh I guess it's important to add that apart from maybe Suzuka one of the things we've done is actually just move away from the street circuits so Monaco Singapore uh Azerbaijan and we've gone to these uh permanent circuits and I think that that's something that a lot of people like I, you know <clears throat> Monaco and Singapore aren't brilliant for overtaking Azerbaijan can throw up a bit of madness but at the same time it's it's not it's not my favourite circuit uh, certainly so I think that I, I'm certainly excited about that uh, I think it's a great selection obviously lots of this deter- uh, is determined by who has a contract uh, who still has their kind of grade one uh, standing and uh, yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's an excellent choice. Uh, I was quite young the last time we raced at Imola, so uh, that's something that really excites me. Uh, I really like the the Nurburgring GP circuit as well, um, and I think that the, some of the races we had there in the kind of early tens were were excellent. Um, and yeah, uh, Portimao, I'll be I'll be fascinated to see, as as I will be with with Mugello, you know, having only ever race those on, on kind of Gran Turismo or something so I'll be really excited to see what happens but uh, yeah it, it's for me it's a, a really nice way of dealing with the circumstances and even if they don't even if they don't produce great racing I think that people will kind of give it a pass because they're just trying something and then we'll go back to something a bit more regular next season so yeah I think it's all good and uh, I'm excited to see it um, so just before we wrap up Ben I guess it's time for our predictions uh, ben is currently just edging me out in the table, so I really need to. I really need to hit back this week, um, and as a result, uh, I'm going to go for a super boring podium. Uh, I'm going for a Hamilton, Bottas for Stappen podium. Um, I, maybe I'm taking this too seriously. Maybe I'm just being realistic. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Ben. I'm not going to give you anything entertaining. What's your choice?
1: Well, yeah, man. I respect that. You got to be. You got to be in it. To, in it to win it. At the end of this was all about. So, for me, though, having said that, uh, I'm going to go Lewis. I think I was pretty clear from my comments earlier. Uh, Valtteri. And then for third, I'm going with Sergio Perez. Well, wow. If, if uh,
0: things had gone as well for, for Racing Point as you predicted them, uh, I think they'd be about second in the championship.
1: But uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if that's. It, it's difficult. Yeah, I do seem to be picking them just about every week. Yeah, I think I think you just want to see that mayhem,
0: but uh, you just. I do. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I think that they've got a really good chance, especially if uh, nothing comes of this Renault protest. So it'll be fascinating to see. And uh, the last prediction, of course, is the first DNF. Um, Mm -hmm. This is an interesting one. I think we look back to last year and the houses colliding on the first lap. I think they'll definitely be looking for (laughs) to avoid that. but I'm actually going to go for Alex Albon. Uh, I think that might be feeling a little bit of pressure, be trying oh. to prove himself. Uh, we know that he's been involved in incidents, it's not always his fault, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, an interesting one to to see how he responds. And I hope he, I really do hope he responds well. But uh, yeah, I'm just going to go for Alex Albon as my first DNF.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, if. If you're right, and Alex is out first, he might not make it back to the, uh, the paddock before he's lost his Red Bull drive. So, for his sake, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I'm going to go with... Hmm, there's always a few good options. I think I'm going to go with... Thinking, thinking, thinking. I'm going to go with Antonio Giovannazzi. I think, you know... Something's going to happen there. He'll be sort of, you know, in that in that muddle with a whole bunch of guys. Maybe it won't be his fault, but he'll come off second best, and uh, he'll be going out of the race. Yeah, going with him. Yeah, it was of course Jovanazzi
0: who triggered the safety car last year by beaching himself in the gravel. Yeah. So yeah,
1: I <laughs> I
0: wouldn't put him past doing that again, to be honest. Uh, such has been his form so far this season. Uh, well, thank you very much, Ben, uh, for joining me once again. Um, And thank you to everyone for listening. If you want to support uh, Grand Prix 24-7, please visit our website. We've got lots of uh, previews and uh, looks at uh, the F1 season so far. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Grand Prix 24-7. We'll have another episode out next week reviewing the race and uh, kind of a similar preview-review thing going forward. Uh, Thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll speak to you soon.